Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Israel Soto. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. I've titled my conversation this morning with you for the next few minutes, Keep Looking Forward. Keep Looking Forward. Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 12 is the passage of choice that I want to kind of use as a platform uh, to base my conversation with you this morning on. And I read this this past week and I just decided to add it to my notes because it really meant so much to me. I felt a sort of embrace. If I'm going to be a little personal with you this morning, a little bit more relaxed, I guess I, I, I should say, not as formal. But I felt a warm embrace when I read this particular passage because I felt as if the Lord had really pinpointed this passage out for me to read that morning in my time of devotion. Because, you know, sometimes you worry, especially with everything that we've been going through, some of us physically, some of us financially, emotionally, whatever it is, whatever troubles you may have been having this past year, you get a little nervous sometimes because of now we've got a new year and let's see what this new year brings. And so the Lord divinely, just in my prayer time, I was just thumbing through my Bible and it led me to Deuteronomy chapter 11 and 12. And this is the passage the Lord gave to me and I want to share this with you. He said, the eyes of the Lord your God are always upon it from the beginning of the year and even unto the end of the year. Now obviously if anybody knows it's going to be a new year, it's the Lord and he picked a very, very precise and proper passage that mentions the turning of a new page, the turning of a new chapter and coming in uh, to uh, a new year. But the words that he uses are so special to me because I think that the greatest question that we have, and not because we question if God is able or willing, but we always say to ourselves, I pray, I, I hope the Lord watches over us this year. You're always hoping and praying, Lord, I, I get us through this year. I, I pray that whatever challenges we face this year, that the Lord will walk through us. As you begin your new journey in your life, it's not that you're questioning God or doubting him or is he able or not, but you have a tendency to just automatically say, well, I sure hope the Lord helps us through. It's a natural thing. And in this passage, I feel the Lord answers directly and absolutely the questions that we so many times have. Will the Lord watch over us? And in this passage, he says, the eyes of the Lord your God are always upon it. And I respectfully use the word it and we will place you. The eyes of the Lord your God are always upon you from the beginning of the year unto the end of the year. That brings great comfort to me. It spoke to me. I felt like as, as if my earthly father physically kind of embraced me. But in this sense, I felt my heavenly father just envelop me at that moment, reminding me, listen, it's going to be okay. You ask a lot. You always said that. If I, 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 You wonder if I'm going to walk with you. I'm telling you, the year that's coming, I see it from the beginning, and I will look over it and look over you through the end of it. 
And the proof of it is that I just mentioned to you just a few minutes ago that we are winning. We are here at the end of this past year. And the Lord this past year was saying the same thing. I will look and keep my eyes upon the beginning of last January to this very last day of 2023. And that's great comfort to me, ladies and gentlemen. It really is. It just shows us and, 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 and reveals to us that the Lord not only looks at our present experience in life, but he's always looking forward. He's always looking at the result of things. He's always looking at when he makes choices, this is what makes him so divine, that when he makes, cho makes choices over us, he doesn't look at the here and now alone, but he looks at the results of what the decision is to be made. I, sometimes, unfortunately, that uh, causes a lot of problems for many of us because many times you and I make decisions on the now without looking forward at all. And those kind of decisions can be financial decisions. It can be relational uh, decisions. It could be geographical decisions. It could be anything decisions. But because you make those, uh, some people call them knee-jerk reactions or choices, without looking forward, we make a lot of mistakes. But how many are thankful that God is not like that? Amen? He is not like that at all. He thinks and he looks forward all the time at our lives with everything he allows. You see, you and I, ladies and gentlemen, we are a people of covenant. Just like the people of Israel were a people of covenant, the Lord has given us promises. And the passing of this year and the coming of this coming year does not change the plans of God for us. It just draws us closer to that. And so if the Lord has been watching and guarding our walk during this past year, then because he has given, made a covenant with us and a promise that he's going to get us to another place, he's got to watch us. He has committed to watch us and look over us during the whole journey. Now, Here is the thing that we have to consider uh, for this coming year. Though we are a people of covenant, we are a people spoken of by the Lord, just like the people of Israel, we have to understand also that there are challenges that we will face this coming year, just like for the people of Israel. The Lord spoke to them and offered them and told them and promised them a land that flowed of milk and honey. A property that was going to belong to them. Finally, a place that they could call their home. You see, they were a, a transient people. They were people who were, would squat anywhere they put them. They were, they were always in the way. It always belonged to somebody else until the Lord would decide to give them their own land. And you would think because God promised that, that all it was was just to go And build your home and put your mailbox outside. You've got an address and you move about and everything goes happy-go-lucky. But if we learn from the people of Israel, we know that even that promise came with its challenges. Because, listen carefully, there is always someone who does not want you to arrive at that promise. This coming year, God has prepared great things for all of us. 
I can't say for many of us. I can say for all of us because the Lord will do for one, will do for all. He's not impartial to anybody. So God has a plan for you. And God is wanting to bless you this year if you will continue in your walk with him. But it's not the full gospel and it's not the whole truth unless we understand that there is always an opposer that will try to deviate, to thwart your walk towards that blessing. Look at, look at this passage concerning the people of Israel. Numbers 13 and 27. They gave Moses this account. This is when Moses has sent the 12 spies to Canaan to go see that everything the Lord has said was true. So he sent 12 of the bravest men to go out there. And here's the account or the testimony they brought back. They said, we went into the land to which you sent us, and it does indeed flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. They brought back fruit that God had a promised land for them and that it was true that God wanted to bless them with this. But they mentioned, it's not as easy as we thought. But the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in Negev and the Hittites and Jebusites. And he goes on to mention all these tribes of, of people that were always challenging the people of Israel. And so what they come back and they say is, we got problems ahead of us. Though we have a great promise, we have challenges in front of us. Out of the, all the 12 spies, only two spies came back believing the promise of God was available to them, while the other 10, the Bible says, caused the whole nation to weep all night because it discouraged them. These two knew that the blessings were there and they brought proof, which is the fruit but there were hindrances and problems and troubles and challenges in the way. And it's that way for us as well. This past year, I know that all of us faced some kind of challenge or not. Big or small, we faced challenges. And unless someone had told us that we would, we would have been so surprised. And maybe some during the way have turned back because of them and had not received or did not get a chance to enjoy the year because they shunned back or they were afraid of the troubles and challenges and issues that they were having to face in order to move forward. Well, I want to put this in your heart this morning, and I want to remind you what that passage particular tells me. The land is ours. The promise is ours. There's no question concerning that. What God has planned for your life this coming year is already yours. It's been predestined. It's been already articulated and put together. It's set up for you. It's a matter of you moving forward to claim that. But we always have to be honest and look since the beginning of time, since the garden, there is always someone, the enemy, Satan himself, the devil himself, who is going to try to deviate you from getting there. Again, the passage we read, the eyes of the Lord your God are always upon you from the beginning of the year even unto the end, tells us, as I mentioned, 
the Lord is always looking at present, the beginning of the year, and is it looking at the future. With every decision he makes over our lives, he looks at what we're experiencing at that moment and what we will experience because of that choice made in the future. Very important for us. But the challenge is how do we continue to move forward? A few years ago, or over a year ago anyway, I spoke to you during one of these New Year's services that we've had, though we've, we've spent many together, on the subject of being focused and clear-eyed. To be able to see clearly forward as you move, considering results and consequences of your present choices that you make today. What we do today, and we've always heard it said, and we believe it, that what you do today will set you up for tomorrow. Amen? I think parents say that a lot to their children. We like to use terms like, well, what goes around comes around. The Lord likes to put it down in biblical terms, the law of sowing and reaping. But the apostle said that a man will only reap what he sows. And so it's the same term. It's the same principle. The choices that we make here today will set us up for tomorrow. It will either set us up for good things tomorrow or we will regret the fact that we made choices on that day. And so I spoke to you this long ago concerning being focused and keeping our eyes clear, not only on our present life now, but to keep, be conscious of the future and the consequences. Let me read a couple of passages to you when I, uh, in order to explain to you what I believe God's great purpose in our lives is. We find that in Romans 8 and 29 and verse 30 through 30. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. I want you, he's speaking about us. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. But I want you to concentrate on the words that he said. He created or to conform them to the image of his son. Genesis, since the beginning, we'll go back in history. Genesis 1 and 27 the first things that the Lord mentioned when he created his man. The scripture says in verse 27 of Genesis chapter 1. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God he created them. So we easily see that the purpose of God for our lives by main extreme. Not to be popular in anything else. Not to be successful as an attorney. Not to have the biggest bank account or be the biggest business owner in the world, uh, to be the most uh, uh, greatest known celebrity or uh, get any kind of accolade here in this world that will bring some kind of physical trophy. That is not God's plan, though it may be part of something that God wants to, again, bless you with, but that's not his initial plan. You know, God's initial plan is to bring us back to be a reflection of his son. He wants us back the way he created us. The Bible says he created us to look like his son, to be an image, to identify us as his own. But now we know that since the fall of man, we lost all of that. And 
Now it's, we're hard pressed to press on to get back to that position. And this is what God wants us. Not to have great ministry. Not to have great notoriety or do world, great worldly exploits. But again, to be like him. When you begin this coming year, ladies and gentlemen, and I spoke this to you again, I don't know if once, twice, or maybe even three times. But I'm going to keep repeating this while I'm in this body. Because ultimately, you must never forget that the whole business of our lives is to be a reflection of Christ. You may accomplish a lot of things in your life, and that's wonderful. We celebrate you. Your name may be on neon lights and we celebrate you. Good for you. But the ultimate business of a man is to become a reflection of the Son of God. To be Christ-like. You see, being the image or reflection of the Son of God is the special status that all of us are privileged to have. He doesn't give anybody else that opportunity. Nothing else created has the opportunity and the invitation that we, the people that God has created, have received from the Father himself. I want you to become as my sons. That is, you and I were created to reflect our creator's character, and we are commissioned to carry out his purpose throughout this world. Well, I gave you a few principles, and let me get to them this morning so that we can continue and moving on forward. How do we do that this year? May I remind you again of what we have spoken not only once, but many times since I've been here behind this pulpit, and you've privileged me with speaking into your lives. May I remind you once again the things that are maybe not they may not sound like divine revelation to you. They may not sound so theologically profound. But if practiced as basic as they are, they will save your life and keep you moving forward in Christ. The goal for us this coming year, as it has been for all the years of our life, but we've become conscious of it now that we are saved, is to become a reflection of Christ. And so that means that this year's goal, if you've made uh, New Year's resolutions, you know, nobody really likes New Year's resolutions. If you're like me, I wrote New Year's resolutions probably about 30 years ago. And every year that I open my book of resolutions, it's still new because I've touched none of them. Amen. And some people don't like New Year's resolutions because, you know, the opinion is, well, why even write it again? I not even touch one of them. But if you are a person of New Year's resolutions, then I believe that your first resolution is to be what the Lord wants and expects of us. And that is to become more a reflection of his son. Before anything else, before that important diet that you've been trying to get on. Before that college degree. Before becoming that great scientist. Before becoming that great doctor. Before becoming this great whatever. Again, I say those things are wonderful, good for you. Thank God that we are prospered that way. We, you have the intelligence to be able to embrace things like that. But God wants us to put the first things first. And if we're going to resolve ourselves to do something this year, let me please encourage you to make Christ your goal this year. 
That's the first thing you need to do. If you're going to become a reflection of Christ, then you must be focused on the goal, which is Christ. Philippians 3 and 13. Brothers, I do not consider myself to yet have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward what is ahead, I press toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ. The question of the hour this morning is what do you see ahead of you right now this coming year? What has your mind, your heart, your ambitions, your, your dreams, what are they focusing your eyes on already? What is it that you are excited about getting ready to arrive at as you cross over into 2024? What are you focusing your endeavors and your efforts on this coming year? As a priority, I mean. There may be a lot of things that you're hoping to accomplish, but as a priority, the really down inside important things you are focusing on to do this year. And I ask you this challenging question, is it to become like Christ? Or could it be possibly a truth that I say that for many of us many times, even I face the challenges of having to sober up because of so many plans that I have that Somehow in my list of resolutions and plans for this year, Christ ends up number 13. We all struggle through things like that. Well, this year I'll tell you what, I'm buying a new car. This year I'm finishing this. This year I'm building my house. This year I'm starting my business. This year I'm going to this, I'm going to do that. And all of a sudden something wakes you up, I believe, just a simple tug of the Holy Spirit. says, And what about Jesus? Where have you put him in this New Year's resolution for your life, is he a priority or is he a minority? And so the question this morning as we speak about focusing on Christ, you need to ask yourself, I would ask you to ask yourself on earnest scale, what are you focusing on for this year? You see, the fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, unless you focus on Christ as your goal, it may could be that 10 years will pass and you'll never accomplish that goal because it's of no importance to you. Unless you really fix your eyes on becoming a reflection of Christ this coming year, you aren't going to accomplish anything in becoming like Christ. We've mentioned this particular passage so many times out of James 1 and 7. A man not, uh, should not ought to expect anything or receive anything from the Lord being a double-minded man, that is, being confused in what they're going to do. You can never expect to become like Christ unless you focus on Christ. One of the biggest reasons <clears throat> I believe that in this world today, we have so many undeveloped and undefined and immature Christians. That's a powerful word. I know. But this is important for your soul. One of the greatest reasons why in this world of ours today, this is why we have so much confusion when it comes to our relationship with Christ in this world amongst many peoples. We have so many undeveloped, undefined, and immature Christians. They kind of look like Christ, but not really. They kind of resemble a child of God, but not really. And if you look at it, sometimes the only problem is for that particular person who can never really get it right is that they've never really focused on becoming like Christ. 
They've never taken time to focus and make Christ their earnest goal. They've lost clear sight of Jesus. At one time they have been maybe have been excited and desired him, but after a while they begin to focus on other things. And all of a sudden the finesse of God, the true things that, that, that reflect Christ, they're lost and become abstract in your life. And so people can't really tell who you are. And that's not God's plan for us this year. Neither was it this past year. But certainly this year, now that we're getting ready to face that, I would challenge us all this morning. As we know that God's ultimate goal for our lives is to bring us back to the beginning where we looked like him. Then let us be focused on him. If we are to obtain that goal in becoming reflections of Christ, we must fix our eyes, fix our hearts, fix our minds, and fix our spirits, our ears, our emotions, and our actions on that goal. Secondly, this year, if we are to become a reflection of Christ, then let's learn to look at people who have accomplished that goal. There's a lot of good Christians. I, we believe we have a lot of good Christians in this church. I know a lot of good people, yes, a lot of good people that are moving forward. But isn't it ironic, ladies and gentlemen, isn't it funny that we are more attentive to those who make all the mistakes and have no commitment to Christ. We are sooner to follow someone like that than to follow someone of good example. Philippians 3 and 17, join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note. Listen to what he says. Take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. That is, look at people that are following the word of God. You know what this says in layman's terms to me? Young people and men and moms and dads alike, learn to choose your friends. Amen? Is that okay to say? Learn this year. Learn to choose your friends. You see, a, a smart Christian that's a goal setter and wants to become like Christ, a woman, man, boy, girl, mom, dad, whoever, if they're going to find their success in becoming a reflection of Christ, they are going to find someone who can demonstrate how it's done. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 and 33, don't be misled. Don't be confused. Don't think for a minute. That is, don't fool yourself. Bad company corrupts good character. And then listen to the, to the sudden rebuke, the admonishment. Come back to your senses as you ought. Amen? And mom and dad, I know that my mom used to say, who are you with? And she'd take a look at our friends and goes, I don't want you hanging around with those people. Because she knew that the influence was not going to allow me to propel forward. It was holding me back. And so here we say, we see the apostle writing again, come back to your senses and stop sinning. Listen, here is the conscious truth. For there are some who are ignorant of God. See, this whole topic of conversation is how we begin. God wants us to be a reflection of his son. And this year, as a priority, we understand our main resolution, and the main resolve of our moving forward should be, Lord, I want to become like you. 
Lord, I want to become a reflection. I want to reveal your character. And so now, so far, we've learned we've got to keep our eyes on the example, which is Christ. And secondly, on an earthly pattern, we need to start looking to people who are living out their walks in the Lord that are beneficial and nurturing to our lives. You need to start choosing your friends who find themselves at levels in Christ that you want to be at. That'll help you begin to mature. Someone who knows how to pray. Learn how to pray. You know the Bible says not me. Don't kill the messenger. Proverbs 13 and 20 says. He who walks with the wise. Grows wise. But the companion of fools suffers harm. 1 Corinthians 5 and 6. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough? Do you think really that you'll be able to hang out with all your drinking buddies and all the cursors and this and people that don't even go to church and whatever, and you're not going to be affected by it? You'll never accomplish your goal to be a reflection of Christ unless you begin to look at the testimonies and the lives of those who are getting there and who are struggling, pushing forward, striving rather to become like Christ. Thirdly, Stay clear in the same note from those who refuse to commit to Christ. This is, I was going to say, maybe especially true for the young people, but I think it's important for us dads too. Amen? Philippians 3 and 18, for as I have often told you before and now, I say again, even with tears, that many live as enemies of, the, of Christ, of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. There's a serious pandemic, or epidemic, I should say, that exists in the church today, ladies and gentlemen. And there are so many people, Christians, who are living their lives in what we would call a default mode. These are people who are led by circumstances and other people who have no initiative to grow in Christ. There are a lot of people who don't want to grow in Christ. And that's such a sad truth. It really is. They remain stagnant all their lives. Holding some kind of level of religiosity. Holding some level of knowledge of scripture. Holding some level knowing a couple of worship songs. Uh, you know, attending church here and there. and You know, but actually having no initiative to excel. And to mature and to grow in Christ. Let me give you this very powerful warning from someone who loves you. Those people are dangerous for you. That kind of in person who has no initiative to ever grow in Christ or pursue Christ or get into prayer or to seek the Lord and to really get to know him. They are dangerous for a goal setter like you. They are dangerous for someone who wants to be like Christ. There's a dangerous relationship to have when you want to be able to reflect Christ more and more in your life. Stay away from those models of behavior. Their lives at the end are wasted and sadly without repentance, their lives will end up in a Christless eternity. Ephesians 5 and 6 gives us great warning 
It says, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. I think this is good counsel this morning for this year. Amen? I hope all of us are listening, even you, mom and dad. I hope we're listening. God is saying, listen, don't be partners with people that are not going to nurture your relationship in becoming a reflection of Christ. Some people cannot detach from yesterday, from the relationships of yesterday. And I get it. I have friends that I've had for 30, 40, 50 years before I was even saved. I know people from a long time, and I'm, what I am saying, I'm not saying you disown them in such a way you absolutely just eject them from your life and completely disregard them in every way. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you never allow influences like that to come close to you to begin to plant that seed that they're living by. Because, again, as a Christian, as a believer, your goal is the plan of God, which is to become a reflection of his son. To get this kind of victory. Again I remind you of what we just covered. Fix our eyes on him. Observe those that are like him. And consider the ends of those who are not. Fourthly this morning. Always check the level of your dependence on the power of God in your life. That is how much is God working in your life. How much are you allowing God to move you. Philippians 3 and 20. But our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control. Will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like his glorious body. How much do you depend on the power of God? I keep mentioning from this pulpit, and it's almost cliche, I understand that, but I need to keep reminding you that we are a world of so many resources. Our church is filled with intelligence, academic skills, physical skills. We are a talented and very gifted people. That could be a very dangerous thing at the same time. Because the better and more able that you are, the less dependent you are on someone outside of you. Can you understand that? Amen? The more capable you are, the more able you are to do things, the more able you are to provide for yourself, the more you're able to get through by yourself, the less dependent you become on anyone outside of you. And that's okay because that's what we teach our children, mom and dad. We teach our children to become independent. You don't want to be supporting them at 50 years old at home. They better get a job and do something. Amen? I hope nobody has a 50-year-old home that you're supporting. Amen? But you teach them independence. But it's always, there's a balance that a father teaches a son and a daughter. They can learn how to be dependent on their own and learn how to. You don't want them just to be laying around and waiting for everybody else to do stuff for them. You want them to get up and be assertive and get into the game of life. But never to exclude God as the primary source. That's so important for us to hear. 
When Paul said, wait on the power, he's not saying to us, let's just go ahead, lay down, passively wait for things to be changed on their own. Paul is telling us that, that there is a power source available to us right now. It isn't a call for resignation to our weak flesh. Paul is telling us, isn't telling us that we should just give up and, and just it's useless for us even to try to change. But he's telling us to be aware that the Lord has enabled us with great power through the anointing of his spirit that we can depend on and tap into for strength to cause change in our lives to become that reflection of Christ. The scripture says he has given us all things. Amen. He has given us all things. And so this passage reminds us that we need to focus our minds and, and know and realize and be aware of the strength that God has given us through his spirit to reach out to him and draw on that power to be able to begin the work in changing us to become more like Christ this coming year. I pray in Jesus' name and I pray this over my own life that I'm not the same in 2025. I hope I've grown maturely and spiritually. That I've been able to at least raise a level of my knowledge of God and in my relationship with him to have more, to relate more with the Lord. When you compare Christ and you compare us, oh, we see such a vast difference. And we sometimes use that excuse and say, well, he's God and we're not and we're so different and there's such an impossibility. But that's not what the scripture teaches us. You know, the Bible says that you have the mind of Christ. Amen? That you have the very mind of Christ. Now, the problem is now that you don't have the mind of Christ is that they, do you use the mind of Christ? So becoming a reflection of him or in the likeness of him is not an impossibility. God has made it available for us to be able to emulate, to look at him and to learn from him, to speak as he spoke, re react as he did, walk as he walked, and uh, again, uh, uh, experience and have a relationship with people just as he, to have a heart after his. So it's not impossible. It's very, very possible. But the only way that's going to happen is if we continue to gauge the level of our dependency on the power of God to become effective in working this out in our lives. We can't do it without him. Amen? We can't do it without him. 2 Thessalonians 1 and 11. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may count you worthy of his calling and that by his power... He may fulfill. The only way you and I are going to truly become a reflection of Christ this coming year is if we raise the level of our dependence on him to get that work done. Because the body and our minds are always arguing with the direction of God. And finally this morning, keep sight of your stability. This year, I want you to take a good look at your feet and see how solid you're standing. See how solid your walk is. Keep a good tab on your stability. Gauge yourself. Be honest with yourself. You don't have to wait for people to say that you're unstable. You don't have to wait for people to, to say things that might hurt your feelings by telling you that you're wishy-washy or that 
you're fickle or that you're this or the other. Look at yourself on honest scale and say, is my walk firm? Am I a steady man? When I look at my feet, do I, I, I see unstableness when I'm walking? I can be honest with myself. Man, if you're honest with yourself, you'll address the issues that you have in your stability. Nobody can change that for you. Philippians 4 and 1, therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. How should you stand firm? Being joy and holding on to that crown, being a good reflection of Christ. This is how you should stand firm, the apostle says. As I mentioned to you this morning, and we kind of just touched base a little bit on resolutions. A lot of reasons that people don't like to make resolutions is because they, they, it requires uh, determination and commitment. Uh, we don't like anything many times because it requires commitment. This is why we don't make resolutions. Well, no. I don't want to do that because I'm going to have to do this for the next six, seven months. And, uh, and so we shun away anything may, uh, many times because we don't want to go through the long haul, if you will. And so many times when people do make resolutions, they quit halfway, as many of us have, certainly as I have, because of our unwillingness or inability to continue a long endeavor. You know, you, you can quit your diet. You can quit a lot of things in your life and lose pretty much nothing. But if you ever lose your stability in Christ, you will lose everything. Did you hear that? If you ever lose your stability in Christ, you will lose everything. Nothing, ladies and gentlemen, that requires a long journey is easy. Those of you who have accomplished school, we have people who have great degrees here and have been in school all, oh, they're so young and yet they've been in school half of their lives studying. I could easily know, I could ask any one of these young people to stand up and say, how many times did you feel like quitting? They could probably say like, what week? Right? Like, what week, pastor? How many times did you feel like just getting out of school, going to work for 7-Eleven and, and just get out from this long, like, what day? <laughs> because it comes often. Anything that's going to take time, studies, commitment, marriage. Marriage, Godwin. All these things. When it takes time and commitment, a lot of people, and millions have, and we've done it as the same. We've decided to sit back and say, I'm not going to do it anymore. We've been tempted to turn back, and it's not so easy. It's a challenge when you think of it yourself, but sometimes you hear it from people outside of you. Why don't you just quit, man? Why don't you just quit doing that? And that's almost encouraging I find it so sad. I really do. And I, I don't know why the Lord just placed this in my heart. But I will say this. That sometimes when someone is going through marital issues, you seem to find an individual who's going to support your issues. And what do you hear from that person, that girlfriend that you talk to because you're having trouble with your husband? She's like, leave him. 
leaving? Or a husband is having trouble with his wife, though that never happens. And all the men said, Amen. You lie in church? But you find that friend, hey man, listen, I'm having it. Hey, Olivia, quit. And so in the church, just in the world, there is no difference. The divorce courts are filled not only with people that are unbelievers, but just as many as Christians. And I, and I say that tenderly, please. Don't be offended with me. But it's a matter of fact, though. That anything that requires tenacity, endurance, Tell me if it's not true. Sometimes weekly, monthly, certainly yearly, you're tempted to say, you know what? I'm done with this, man. I, I can't do it. And quitting almost sounds good when you're tired of pressing towards something. But when it comes to our walk with God, the Lord requires us to always test our standing firm. Because you're going to need to learn to stand firm. He wants us to understand that a goal achiever, someone who's really going to reflect Christ in their life, who's made Christ their goal, is going to have to know and believe and resolve themselves to know that quitting is never a resolution or solution. Quitting and turning back is never the option. Because you understand, and we all know this, not only in the believing and unbelieving with Christ or without Christ, that quitting and quitters never win. Never. They never share the crown. They never stand at the top. They never get what they want. Quitters do. Quitters only get what's left by winners. Isn't that an ugly truth? You're left in the dust. Why? Because you decided to quit. Now, I'm using normal terms here because we understand this. And what I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen, that this year we're going to face challenges. Every single one of us are going to face challenges that, yes, even like if you were running a marathon and you feel like quitting after the first five miles. This year, as you serve the Lord, I trust me. That you will have challenges in your life that may say, you know what, I'm done with this. And so many have and no longer walk with God. Jesus in his relationship experienced that with those that walked to him. The Bible teaches that many when he said certain things and he made the challenge a little bit more difficult to walk after him. The Bible says many did not follow after him after that. They quit. And so we need to check our feet. We need to check our stability if we are to become like Christ as our goal. Know that the Lord doesn't favor those who turn back. Hebrews 10 tells us that. But my righteous one will live by faith and if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But he encourages in the following verses. He said, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who believe and are saved. God is expecting us to go the full course, ladies and gentlemen. The full course. We've made it this far. 2023, in the next 12 or so hours, is over. And we've made it. At least we know, we think, we can see the finish line. 
But there's a new year coming. And what the Lord is saying to us this morning as we are getting ready to cross this new threshold. That after you have done everything to stand. He says to you and to me. Stand again. Stand again. This past three years, ladies and gentlemen, we have faced great challenges. The church has faced. And sadly, I can say this, and I know some people will be hurt, but many failed the test this past three years. And there were great challenges. I'm not making fun of anything. I'm not making it menial or trivial. It was serious stuff. But the stability of people was shaken. <clears throat> and many decided to sit down. We had a pandemic that came to sweep across this thing and shook us all, shook the foundation, and mainly shook the foundation of the church. Unbelievably, I, unbelievably, I have pastors all over the state that I speak to, and I had the joy of sharing a prayer with every now and then, and it was it was a disease that. Shook the foundations of every believer. Even of pastors. It shook the church. The church just weeks before all of this happened was healthy and moving forward. Everybody was on fire. And all of a sudden. <laughs> and what we thought was stable began to shake. And there go. Thousands of believers. The political wars that have happened. No need to talk about them. But even that area, it shook the foundation of people. And I speak of Christians. It shook the foundation of believers. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what 2024 is going to bring. But I promise you, it will bring a shaking sooner or later. And the challenge for us, those of us who want to stay in the realm of becoming reflections of Christ and moving forward and excelling in our walk with God, getting to know him more, praying better, understanding his word better, and getting closer to the arrival of him and recognizing the coming and closing hours of the time, all these things that we desire in the Lord, we're going to have to check our stability because I promise you the storm is coming and you're going to be shaken again. And God doesn't want you to shrink back. He wants you standing. And he says to you, after you have done everything to stand, then you stand again. No shrinking back. No turning back. No turning back. No surrender. And no retreat. Ladies and gentlemen, what we have before us is heaven. Israel had Canaan before them. We've got something better than Canaan. We've got something much better than Canaan. We've got something eternal. We've got the king himself. We've got his home itself to inherit in the coming days. 
if there's ever been a time when you and I should make Christ our focused goal, if there's ever a time in this season that we're living in when you and I should be watchful of the successful so that we can learn how to be successful in the Lord as well, if there's ever a time we should be careful to stay away from those who are unfocused and unwilling to commit to Christ, if there's ever been a time when you and I need to start depending on the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to strengthen us and to move us forward, if there's ever been a time when we should check the stability of our stands in God, it's now. Right now. Because tomorrow is coming. This new year is coming. And we want to make sure, God wants to make sure that we continue to fellowship and wait for his appearing together. We don't want any casualties along the way. Trust me, the past two or three years, there's been thousands of Christian casualties to our sadness. A lot of people have been hurt. A lot of people have decided to sit down. And then you try to restart and rekindle that fire in the Lord again after you've sat down for a while. You know, at my age, uh, if we're going to walk and my wife and I are going to take a walk, I have to walk with her or whoever it is I'm walking with and finish it. Because if we decide to sit down and talk for a little while, you better call some help to pick me up to warm me up again. And that's the way with our Christian walk. That if you're walking now, make sure you stay walking. Don't sit down because your legs will get frozen. And there's a lot of people who want to get up after sitting down for this past two or three years, and they can't do it. <sighs> they want to start walking again in the Lord. Uh, but it's been so much easier just to sit down. And they wait, they get excited because they see God is moving. I remember I used to be able to, uh, to, to be with the crowd and loving on Jesus. And I was serving him. <laughs> and they can't do it. Check your stability this year. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.